Stroud looking underneath. Caught. And touchdown, Jackson Smith and Jekyll. Big hole for Bond. High stepping into Baylor territory. And you can kiss Deuce Bond goodbye. Action here. Williams setting up. Going downtown. Mims is there. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Baylor's with a quick swing pass. It's Keaton Mitchell on the sideline. Across midfield. It's a foot race. Well, what's going on, everybody? This is episode 29 of Burning the Red Shirts. It is uh, an episode without Zach, maybe our second ever and uh, probably our second highest viewed and listened to podcast, I'm guessing, by the time it's all said and done. but Addition by subtraction. Addition by subtraction, yep. So I got, obviously, Andrew and myself here today to talk week two of football and then look forward to week three. Uh, what's going on, man? What did you think? Uh, what's the top of mind right off the bat? What we got? Steve, so I'm following, uh, as I'm ever known to do, scheduling going on because it's like my favorite thing. And did you see that the SEC told Georgia and Tennessee to cancel the Oklahoma series that they have coming up? Basically, yep. I assume the basic idea is that the buyouts will be paid uh, and things will happen to get those Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC sooner rather than later. And, and then OU and SMU just announced just now that uh, they're doing a, a home and home in 2023 and 2027. So that it That's seems awesome. too, too coincidental to be incidental. Uh, I mean, two things on that. One, that Pete Tamil, Pete Thamel guy is breaking yeah. all the news these days. I don't know. Dude, where he's he one of those from. losers that people just funnel their press releases to. It's amazing. The guy breaks everything from yeah. small schools to big schools. But I would imagine, right, it just would mess with, obviously, 2023, it doesn't mess with Georgia's scheduling. No, Tennessee. it does. Well, no, it does. Georgia and Oklahoma were supposed to do a home and home starting next year. Well, I meant more with like the SEC conference schedule that it would in 2031. Like 2031, 100% would have messed with SEC conference scheduling, right? Like, so maybe that's why they just ished it and said, let's not do it. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't dug into like the replies and the conspiracy theories, but I assumed that the idea was, hey, maybe we can make this like happen by next year. Don't play that game. Uh, against OU next year because we're going to like we leave the door open for it. We'll move mountains. We'll get it done. I mean, SEC has to have the money to do it. How do they not have the money? Of course they have the money. I mean, what are they doing? They yeah. are like the second greatest power in the world, maybe. But um, awesome. You, did, you kind of mentioned it, or you and Nate kind of went back and forth a little bit on it earlier today. It's it's Kent State week. It's Colin Schley week, which is great. The first yeah. of many. Yeah, I so, so I avoided Dustin Crum in best balls last year because I thought like with the with the the non con that Kent State does, it was just too much to pay for a second round type of draft value when you're factoring and like he's useless for three weeks. But I was still soaked last year. I remember just like okay, cool. Week three comes around, we actually get to see Kent State in action, and. They played like some FCS school and it was just him handing it off to Marquez Cooper a bunch of times. Nikeem Johnson went for like a hundred on the ground as a wide receiver. Crum didn't even really get unleashed until Mac play. So I wonder how much, having watched a little bit of Schley so far this year already, I get the feel that like Sean Lewis will call a play and Schley will just kind of do whatever he wants. Uh, like if like he's already running it like 20 times a game it's amazing that he's okay coming out of it again against Washington and Oklahoma so they might try and call safe plays for, for him to like get him through the first four weeks god god 
Like, can you imagine he gets hurt against LIU and, like, Georgia isn't even the team that takes him down next week? Like, we have that looming as the the huge blocker to his health to getting him to Mac play that he has to go into Athens. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be fun to see that, that, that team, Kent State, has surprisingly held their own, I think, in so many different ways so far in these first two games. I watched a good amount of the Washington game and – even though Washington pulled away and was comfortably ahead the whole time, just drive to drive, play to play. It didn't feel like this was just one of those games that was an absolute train wreck. Even though Schley threw a pick on his the first possession, Washington got a couple quick touchdowns, but the defense didn't get the blows, the doors blown off of them, and they were able to move the ball. And just, I I didn't catch the Oklahoma game this past week, but they they were up like three nothing with. Two yeah. minutes left in the first half. Like, why not? Um, so, it as as someone who's hugely invested in Schley and also has the the over on their win total of five, I'm feeling better and better about at that. Just got to get through these next couple of weeks, and then things will look good in the MAC play. Yeah, I think that LIU game will be fun, just because you know usually they just have a they just use a bunch of running backs, but Xavier yeah. Williams has just disappeared. Uh, you know, he didn't play in that bowl game. Right. And then I think right. he had like hip or something surgery and he hasn't played since. Um, and he's you just added him somewhere, player. right? I just added him in the 50 team or someone dropped did, him. Did you see that? He's like, is he supposed to be good to go soon? No, I just figure if I have an open injured reserve spot. I yeah. It's a good well, point. You know? And I had, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, those 50 teamers, you just have flyers and yeah, and a couple guys were just dead weight, so I was like, I might as well just cut one and add one, and then I can add them back or something, right? I always forget um, to stock up my injured reserve in uh in CFF. Yeah, for sure, especially in like a format like that, you draft them, you put mm-hmm. them right in, you can just add another guy, anyways, right? Yeah. Um, but I think like he could have a huge game. You know, usually you're like, well, your superstar quarterback just hands it off a bunch. You know, he has a couple passing touchdowns, whatever, but. With no Williams, there's definitely the possibility of of him getting more of that like rushing share in terms of touchdowns, or maybe you know maybe he breaks one type of thing rather than Xavier Williams breaking one. So it'll be what a what a difference night and day difference between LIU and Georgia. But you know Georgia's the last the worst team in football in terms of sacks. So uh, is that true? They only have one, right? So. <laughs> I think they're tied with somebody with one. I was thinking about this the other day uh, or last night, uh, like late at night. I've I've had I I've been cycling through like some uh, some baby germs and just unable to sleep and all kinds of stuff going on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, but late at night, this thought was going through my head that I would never actually put in the time to research and vet it. But I based on some of the things we've seen this year, I'm starting to think that some of these teams that are getting paid for buy games. They're shifting their strategy so grossly in the direction of let's not get injured, let's not get embarrassed, that the gameplay is like getting severely, severely compromised. Like Michigan only getting one sack and, and nothing else against UConn, not UConn, uh, Hawaii the other night, Utah State and Alabama. It was just quick pass after quick pass. Let's just end this game as quickly as we can. Uh, G- Georgia only getting one sack in these first couple of games. I think teams, these teams that are getting paid for these buy games are starting to realize like let's not even make any sort of effort to actually make this competitive to try and win let's just pay get out of here or let's get paid let's get out of here and let's just get healthy 
So are you saying that Oregon just kind of lay yeah. down and just ran the ball? When it came out of my mouth, I was like, should I proactively go out and, and take this to the next level? But I'm happy you took it there for me. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I have, I thought about this yesterday and I talked about this on the bet on CTC pod. There's a lot of like offensively for these teams that are smashing, right? Like, UCLA was the perfect example that all of a sudden it's like, wait, is this like an epidemic? And it's over at this point, right? Because these cushy games are pretty much yeah. done. But like you see a UCLA just take away DTR in the, the second quarter. You know, everybody was like, well, he got hit and he was banged up. You know, he had another pass, like a, a nice pass. And then he just went to the bench and it comes out, you know, Robinson's quota is saying like, well, you know, it was Garb's time to shine. So yeah. You know, he wasn't hurt, and Charbonnet is the same way. Okay, maybe he's dinged up a little bit, but he could have—he would have totally played if it was a real, like a real matchup FBS. And then Jalen Knighton, Jalen Knighton missed the first game of the season. Then he plays—he only gets five carries on Saturday. Like those are all calculated. We're gonna smash these teams, so we're just gonna might as well just chill. You know, I think Scott Bell mentioned it in Discord about like Donovan Edwards. He's probably not gonna play. Then he said Blake Corum is going to get like maybe eight to 12 touches on the ground and a couple. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, who, like, where are these people getting information from? But it's all <laughs> happening, right? Like, so I think there's, there's something going on with these buy games, these, these money games. But there's also the rumor or the thought that like Kirby didn't want to smash Samford because there's some ties and some friendships. But I have no idea who's friends with who in terms of Kirby. Yeah, maybe next year's best best ball strategy will take we'll avoid easy schedules. So yeah, we want the hardest schedules there. We want is. we want the Kent States of the world. Uh well in the future we don't have to worry about Kent State. You've seen their future schedules, haven't you? So it's next like prime, is- they're like I'm talking prime real estate of good FBS matchups that could create awesome offense. It they get like UCF and some other fun teams, right? Fresno State and UCF both on the road. They play Wagner next year and they play at Arkansas, which not going to potentially be great. But I could have I could name a couple worse SEC teams to play. Yeah. The year after they play Pitt and Tennessee, awesome games. Yeah. Like Tennessee's given up points in that one, and then <laughs> and then they have Penn State. You know, Penn State's not like world beaters. And then the year after that, they have Kennesaw State, which is like a local team to me. That's like a triple option team. Uh, they took all the Georgia Tech stuff back when Georgia Tech was Georgia Tech, and then Ohio State. So uh, we have some potential for Schley to have like if you, uh, we have him in the BTR Dynasty League, where he's going to be startable eleven games a year, which is not not the norm. Not we you know not this year at least. This year was just brutal what they did to him. But yeah, here we are. So. Uh, was there something specific in week two that jumped out to you? Was did there you, a, a game? Did you play or? main slate last week? I did. How, how'd I did. that go? I, I, so, you know, you don't have to answer because it doesn't sound good. Uh, and, but I'm, My typical, I lost like 30, 40%. You know? I only entered like two two lineups doing my, my typical not playing much main slate just because I need to not be too, too horrific of a human being during the day. Sure. But I, the two I entered... One of the, one of them, I was I was trying to just kind of think about what I can do to to be contrarian, and the the way that I've had the most success when I try and create contrarian CFB lineups, like it, it doesn't always hit, but I feel like it's just it's the easiest, most fruitful way to be contrarian and not ha- need to have just ridiculous shit happen, is just 
trying to look at a and I feel like this is what you need to do. You need to do stuff like this on like a 14 game slate if you're trying to be contrarian. Like night slate, I don't think you, you never really need to get that interesting. It's like a little this my strategy is a little bit more different. It's just play my favorite players. But like uh, on the main slate, I, I like to look for like what off what good offense is in a perceived bad matchup and just target them because outside of very very rare situations, it really always feels like in CFB that we overrate how much of an impact a, a good defense is going to have for against an offense that we, we should have Could a lot move, of yeah. So I, I, I stacked Quinn Ewers, Bijan and worthy. And for a quarter, I was like, Holy shit, this is like, this is fucking phenomenal. This is going to work. <laughs> yeah. It, and Ewers, dude, their ownerships were 1%, 5% and 2%. And it like the lineup ended up would have, it wouldn't have been, whatever kind of just because i i braided now and then and uh like audric esteem or whatever but it was still fun and to, to see the that exercise playing out and i i feel like i've see, seen that seen more success with that type of contrarian maneuver more so than like any other like last year thinking back to stacking purdue against iowa and david bell at like two percent ownership goes for mm-hmm. 17 catches and then in the conference championship weekend, Alabama against Georgia, just throwing up Bryce Young and Jameson Williams and uh, and Mechie, and they were all like sub five percent as well. It's like what what do you really need to have go right? You just need a the, your offense to, that you're stacking to be your offense. And so I don't know when I when I think about my different criteria for uh, trying to build uh, lineups and be different like that has been my number one go-to in the past. And I think generally it'll continue to be so. Yeah. I mean, when you're playing against like 10,000 entries, right? Like you can't just, and you're playing one or two lineups, like what's the point of just doing what everybody else is doing? You know, I think that makes a lot of sense to, to just pick on an offense that you like and just go with them. Um, The ownerships were awesome for you. And conceivably that game could have got real, real dicey. You know, it already got dicey, but like it could have been 30 to 29 dicey, in that situation, you know, how does Texas compete with with Bama? They like offensively, it's from those three, right? Those are really yeah. nice options. So, Ewers, were you impressed with Ewers? Because yeah, I was pretty, incredible. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. He had that like that deep ball to Worthy. He threw it like he, Worthy must have been on like the thirty. Yeah. It was like it was like when you you know when you're a kid and you throw the football to yourself and you just chuck it as high you, as you can <laughs> and you run under it. Like that's what it felt like with Worthy because it came out of his hand. And I swear to God, he was at the 30 and he caught it at like the two, right? Yeah. I was impressed. He looked, yeah, he looked amazing. Everything looked so easy. And thinking back to week one, it's super apparent that they just intentionally hid their game plan and just dinked and dunked against, uh, who was it that they played? Monroe or something like that. Monroe, I think. Yeah. yeah. And if Bama doesn't injure Ewers, I think they they win that game by double digits. Like they totally had them caught off guard. Yeah, I think. If Ewers is, I mean, once Casey Thompson went in, it was uh, Hudson Card went in. It was pretty much, I mean, you pretty much had to get as lucky as possible. And like and they as, still as could have won. And they still could have won. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely think Texas wins double digits. Very like, uh, very possible for sure. Um, Tennessee and Pitt was fun. How much of that game did you watch? I didn't catch any. It was. I had I created one showdown team and it had Tillman at that captain, so I it was for a minute it got real nice. Yeah. Uh, but man, that Tennessee offense is fun and they're shifting very much to like 
it feels like a really running back by committee, not a whole lot, and just a lot of chucking it with Hooker to um, his three receivers. You know, they used a ton of guys in the first week, which isn't too surprising in a cushy matchup. But everything went to Tillman, Hooker, uh, Tillman, Hyatt, and um, and Brew, and Hyatt's going to be, I think, like a PPR machine. Dude, we have a few of those offenses this year where everything is funneling to like three receivers. The, the Tulsa target shares. I'm so Dude. I'm so annoyed that I don't have more of those receivers. I, th- let's just we we shouldn't talk about that too much because I'll rant about Davis Brin for a good hour, no problem. Uh, but there. Yeah, it's awesome just seeing those like this concentrated uh, target shares around just like two or three receivers. It's funny. Tulsa's the exact like team I was thinking of when you said concentrated like yeah. that because you know I when I'm creating projections I have to go through roto wire and look at targets and stuff and I swear I don't even have to like I could do it in week two and I don't touch receivers for the rest of the year. Like those <laughs> four in you know the last couple of years has been four receivers and it's like. 23%, which is like incredible. If you were to look at like Tennessee's Brew McCoy is like 15% of targets and he's like the receiver three. So uh, Toss will be interesting to see if they keep it going, but um, for Tennessee real quick, Hyatt, all they did was just throw these quick little one yard. Yeah. Like, just snap it, throw it to him types. And then brew is like the outside kind of go deep type of uh Type of guys, I will say and admit that I screamed when Brew scored, of course, um, for That's many awesome. reasons. But you know, I they'll use them in different ways. I think they'll be very productive, though. That I think that offense will be fun. It'll see how good they can be against Georgia, though. You know, like I think they'll be they'll score against everybody pretty much. But you just don't know about Georgia. I think they could score on Georgia. They for do you remember when they played last year? I, Tennessee might have been winning at the half. Or at minimum, it was like it was a close game at the half, and then Georgia just ended that in the second half. But it it was a good game. As a Georgia fan, what is is the, is Georgia a passing team now? Can we yeah. just give, you think they're a passing team? They're like they are. Melton and McIntosh, you guys were only four and a half stars, not five stars, so we can't lower <laughs> our level of excellence at the running back position. Yeah, well, no, dude, it, we're full-blown ton, Todd Bunkin offense this year. It's great. Just give Stetson the Heisman now. I li- I was like, after the Oregon game, I was like, no. I mean, like, it's possible he wins it, but if they keep passing it and they keep winning, he is going to be a Have you seen what the odds look like? I have no idea. Okay, so I, I put a, a Stetson bet down before the year started because I told myself, like, I can't not have this, and then it somehow happens. Um, but the odds now are it's like plus 300 Bryce plus 300, uh, Stroud, Stroud plus 300 Williams. And like, depending on what sports book you're looking at, it's all kind of like mix and match around those areas. And then Stetson is, uh, plus 1400. So 14 to one. You get that. Was it like 4,500 to start or something like that? Dude, it was a hundred to one. hundred to one. What did you put yeah. on it? Just 50. Oh, I know. It's still, still going to be nice, though. Yeah, yeah, when it hits, exactly. Dude, your boy, people are trying to come up with some garbage argument that your boy JJ's uh, in the hunt for the Heisman now. How do you oh. <laughs> I mean, no, he's not going to do it. I mean, he it, is it, it's not possible like Stetson, but like 
conceivably he has the tools. We just, and there's no consistency in that he hasn't played great teams yet. Right. Like we saw him against Michigan state last year, crumble with a horrible fumble and it turned the game around for uh, Michigan yeah. state. Like, does he have the skill set and will he have the opportunity just being on a winning team? Yeah. But like, I would be shocked if he's even in like the top, I mean, top 10, I'd be yeah. shocked. He's got a pretty co- like he's already so on FanDuel. He's on FanDuel. Him and Stetson have the same odds. They're twenty to one, which is funny. Like they've got they've clearly taken a ton of JJ action. Have had to change things. DraftKings, my source of truth. Uh, Fourteen to one for Stetson. Thirty to one for JJ. JJ schedule. I mean, everyone kind of talked about it before coming into the year. The Michigan schedule is very nice. Uh, lots of cupcakes. Lots of opportunities to show out. Closed a little tough with uh, I think. With obviously Michigan, the last game, the second to last game is tricky too, right? And then there's Iowa and uh, Michigan State in there, but outside of that, it's like pretty. Just it's really play. not even tricky besides Ohio State there at the unit. The month of November is Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, with two of those at home. Oh yeah, I, that's my mistake. I was buying into the Illinois uh, garbage that people. Are doing. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't Rutgers, even want to talk. Rutgers though. Rutgers though. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think – I mean, would it be cool? Like, I think he has the potential for fancy upside. But, you know, anytime you're a QB that can score and yeah. do some different things on a winning team, you're in the – there was a reason why, like, the uh, USC, Oklahoma, and Ohio State quarterbacks are always in the mix and Bama, right? Because they're always going to win nine-plus games. Right. At the beginning, yeah. at least, right? So, also, makes a lot of sense. similarities, too. Like, but, okay, so their they're odds in terms of just where they are in terms of – Heisman favorite or board or whatever you want to call it, they're already far enough up there now where, like, as long as they don't just crumble and their team loses a game, they, all they're going to do is move further up the board. Right. So the path is so clear. It's not like they need all these things to happen, right? It's like to just to, at minimum to be in the top two or three, just keep winning games and don't, don't, and don't throw like four picks. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give you. Four running backs that people were hyping, myself in parts included. So this is not a shot at anybody. Truly not a shot at anybody. I, I will let you know if it's a shot at somebody. But there's four running backs that all kind of been like backseat, kind of a little bit in the front seat of their teams rushing. Nobody has jumped out, in my opinion, as like, a, as like the RB1 we thought of their team. I want you to tell me which one you think has the best chance of being like that guy that we hope for and which one you think is the dud, okay? Zero prep, by the way, and I just thought about this 34 seconds ago. Brandon Campbell for Houston. Corey Kiner for Cincinnati. Nathaniel Pete for Missouri. And Kamar Wheaton for SMU. All of them were, like, hyped up, but, like, kind of in this new scenery slash, um, like, will they be the RB1? But if they are, that's a great spot. So, no, I've given you a couple of seconds to think. Which one do you want to start with, the dud or the stud of the four? I'll just talk about them all, and then you could sort through my my word vomit and let sure. me know where I stand. I was fully convinced after the first game of the year that Pete was going to ascend and just be the dude. The like he it seemed like he took over in the second half of the Louisiana Tech game. I didn't watch any of the the game against Nebraska, but I think there was like trash weather. Kansas Everything State kind of went kind of went wrong. He was still getting most of the carries there. I think there's still the concern that he's just not that good, but he's probably like, I don't understand what could possibly happen where he's not taking 
an obscene amount of the rushing share that sooner than later. Like I, before the season started, it, it was pretty apparent that they were going to initially roll with Cody Schrader. So I edited him pretty much everywhere I could. And I don't, have you watched him? It's just not good. He's just not great. He's, yeah. he's your super productive D2 FCS yeah. guy that like nothing against him. He just, maybe it's just the different style of offense that doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. He's, he's just he's not good the- for me that first Thursday, 3,200. He was like, he cashed like 4X and won me a bunch yeah. of money. So we're good, but it's just probably not happening in exactly. the play. We get so, but, and then Kamar, like who knows, right? The, the I feel like we've seen that he's obviously not playing because he's still recovering. So how do you just like, this is the, the thing that I, I don't know if we're supposed to have some level of confidence about this or have some ability to perceive this. And we don't, but I, the idea that a switch, like the idea that you were out one week recovering from a major surgery that you were out and recovering for, for like six, seven months, and now, oh, the switch flips. You were out last week. Now you're good to go. Like, what, ha- what happened in that extra week? Like, kind of like the, with uh, Logan Bonner, the idea that, right, he was just going to be suddenly good to go after being kind of held out in scrimmages and being babied throughout the offseason that he was just going to flip a switch and, like, it was going to be wheels up for him coming off of an ACL surgery uh, over six, seven months. And But with Kamar... Maybe it maybe it's being I don't I don't I don't understand to some degree what they're doing because they gave him six carries in the first game in garbage time right and then they totally held him out the following week like that, that that's not ramping up that's ramping down did something go wrong in week one and the initial idea right was that he was going to ramp up and then kind of be take on a material part of the game plan in the in like weeks three four uh, head, heading it out out heading into the skillet and heading into conference but. Now I think feel like we're kind of on pause, and I don't I don't know how you could have a informed hypothesis on him at this point. It's just it seems very mystifying. Yeah, to to pause here and just recoup on the the first two guys. Yeah, hundred percent. Wheaton makes no sense. The whole back and forth, like he's hurt, but he's not going to. You know, Siggers is going to be the guy in week one, and then. Over time, Wheaton takes over, and it doesn't feel like any of that has gelled with what was actually said, right? Like, yeah. like is Troy Calhoun the coach of uh, SMU <laughs> these days? So, and then on Pete, I 100% agree. Like, he was the guy that left that Louisiana Tech game is the best looking running back. Yeah, I played like, him this past week. It went great. It was awesome, right? By far, <laughs> me too. I did in the 50 team, it was, and I lost because of it in a sense. By far, looked the best. Right. Like, and I'm a, I have Elijah Young in some places. Like, I really would like for him to be the guy. It's not going to, that's not it. Same with Strader. So you would think that he is it, but I don't know if I trust that coach. Right. Like, he comes out and says yesterday or the day before that he played Luther Burden too much, that he wants him to play 20 less snaps. And he got him. <laughs> Did you see that quote? No, I missed that. He's like, he plays 65 snaps in the game against Kansas State, which is about 20 too many. And I'm like, dude, you got your best offensive player one, like two targets and one touch. Like, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But I'll let you continue on with uh, Campbell and who was the fourth one? Kiner. Kiner feels kind of inevitable, right? Um, It's continuing to progress in 
direction, maybe a little more slowly than expected, but it's just, it just feel like a matter of time before he ramps up to like 15, 20 carries. I, I haven't watched, I've been intentionally avoiding Cincy games until Prater uh, gets started. I'm boycotting. Uh, so no, no idea how he actually looks, but it seems like, I don't think it was a given based on just the offseason reports that he was going to work himself into the game plan and the rotation this quickly. Uh, he's already like he's already a guy that you can start and you've got an, a decent floor associated with him. And I don't know what is necessarily preventing him from doing what he was largely expected to do coming into the year. What do you think? I mean, that offense – needs like a real true like running back it feels like yeah. they have a bunch of just and i think the same kind of with houston but not as many options like they have like third down backs they have like a guy that's like a big guy like like the first second down back and it feels like kind of the complete and all the other ones are just kind of like pieces yeah i have like i hated on kiner all off season so whatever it's, i don't have any of them maybe i'll put maybe i'll make some money on him in DFS, but his, his ascension will do nothing but negative things for any of my teams. Yeah. Well, all my teams are screwed, so I'm not really too concerned <laughs> about that. But. So number one for me, though, is that have, have you watched Brandon Campbell? Did you catch any of the Houston game? I did not catch. Dude, that kid, that dude's incredible. He looks so good. Like, he does the thing. So first of all, he is as, like, yeah when he was coming over, I feel like what was advertised about him was his size and speed and the size just stands out. Like, and it's not just, it's not just, I don't know. To me, Kiner's always looked like super plump and just, and slow that that's not going on with Brandon Campbell at all. Like he's, he's terrifying just watching. And he does the thing where like, I, I don't know who else I've seen do it besides uh, Adrian Peterson, where he just, he's running and no matter what his, even when he's running in place, his feet are just moving all over the place. And it's, it's just horrifying to look at. And he, I don't know, like that, I think that dude just looks incredible on the football field and the stats bear it out to, to start the year. I, he's, he's dinged up, uh, right. Coming to this game against Houston. So, so is, um, Tazon Henry. So yeah. sounds like both of them could be limited, could just not even play. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so I, I was lucky to get uh, Campbell in one league all waivers after this after uh, this past week, so I can I at least have a little bit of investment. But I I uh, like uh, all these guys are guys that I I'm never going to have via our best ball drafts, at least based on how I've drafted this past year and in previous years. Like because I don't know, it's just it's p- so much feels like it's pure projection, pure speculation. Um, and yeah, if you want to make that speculation based on things like size, speed, recruiting ranking, maybe that removes some of the variables and adds some certainty to it. But I don't know. That's, I feel like that would be, if I tried to do that, it would be me just stealing other people's strategies. And I don't know. It's not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not like you've been hurting from it, right? Like none of those no. guys, maybe Campbell last week was, yeah. was worth a, a use or a roster in best ball. Right. Like, yeah. And I would say, right. Two of these four are for sure. Not going to be worth the capital that people. I guess, around. especially in best ball though, the, the season's super young. It's right? very young, right? It's yeah. 13 weeks. It's not like season long in managed where, you're feeling that crunch already after two weeks. If you're 0-2, 1-1, you've got only another eight weeks to make things up. 
and you got to make it work. But best ball, you, you, uh, you think about it as a 13 week season. So yeah. what happened? I mean, yeah, it's easy to kind of, in some cases gravitate towards the certainty associated that some players have based on role early on in the year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to make for a successful season. Yeah. So it sounds like, sounds like Campbell is your stud and uh, uh, not Siggers. Um, Wheaton is your dud. That almost kind of sounds like I can't. I can't even call Wheaton a dud because I don't. I have no idea. Let's put Pete as the dud for now, just because. I think you need to almost put Wheaton on the side because there's no way you can form a really strong conjecture about it. But then we'll yeah we'll call Pete the the dud for now. We'll throw Kiner in the middle and Campbell up top. Okay, but that, that works for me. What is more surprising, Chuck Sizzle as your number four yards per game receiver, or Evan Hull as your number five yards per game player? I hate I hate them both because I don't don't have any of them anywhere. Um, that the whole like pee wee football thing is something that I normally would latch onto and gravitate gravitate towards so much, and I just I don't have any Charlie F. You're, Jones. You're telling me you would rather draft your best ball teams based on peewee football relationships than Dude, star recru- recruiting ratings and off-season projections. You can't understate the the power of the mind meld between QB and receiver, man. When you got it, you got it. Think Davis Webb and Chad, Chad Hansen, Sam Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry. Like the once once you've got it, then you know that dude's getting 15 targets a game, and those targets are it's not just garbage targets either. It's the like we we don't even have to call a play anymore. I know and you know where the ball's going to be, and you're going to get it. You just do um, a little so, like eye thing, and you're like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. All right, cool. I'm doing a go route, and at this point, I'm going to look. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know who's who's got that same type of relationship? I found out yesterday. This is this is only for burning the red shirt followers and whoever follows this one Twitter account. Xavier Restrepo and Tyler Van Dyke. I the saw Rest- well. Restrepo man love on man crush on TVD is awesome. And <laughs> he kind of checks out. He's got uh I think it's five targets led uh led them on in week one and seven last week. We've been looking for a uh like an actual receiver one for that offense. And maybe that's the key, right? Like, you know, there's two certainties in life, you know, it's maybe it's where is this transfer portal quarterback going? Just find where his girlfriend plays sports at, and that's where he's going. And then as well as this option here, where where's who's the man crush between the quarterback and the and the receiver? Fucking Sounds like Evan, fucking have Evan Hole, man. <laughs> Evan Hole is astonishing to me. I don't like I that makes every time sense. every time Froten took him in one of our best balls, I just laughed at him like, oh, that's a wasted fucking pick. Yeah, like, brutal. I mean, they, and he didn't even spend up on him, too. That's the crazy thing. No, it was thing. like 20, 20 second round or some shit. What a, I mean, nobody could see this coming. They, part of a running back by committee, they return a bunch of guys. Cam Porter was amazing as a freshman, or was very good as a freshman with potential, gets hurt in the offseason. So he had the full year to get healthy. He was not limited, and yet the Northwestern offense is moving the ball and they throw it only to Hull, apparently. <laughs> So I don't blame you. Yeah. Do you have a uh, Ohio State receiver situation is interesting to me because of these injuries. Yeah. Going into the year, right? Jackson Smith and, and Jigba was a top five overall pick. 
he goes down in the first week. Nothing serious, but enough where he doesn't play against the, the money games. Then you see Abuka uh, be great in the first week. Marvin Harrison Jr. got a bunch of targets. Marvin Harrison had that crazy game last week. Like, is do you have a vibe on how you think that plays out, or do you think you just you just haven't seen enough, or maybe we haven't seen enough to really have any educated guess? Do you think JSN plays this week? I do. Yeah. Why would they play him? Just to like ramp him up. <clears throat> I bet he plays in like limited fashion. At a certain point, you got to get like snaps in, you know? And yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's yeah. not like he's played all three years, right? He had that last season. He was great, but he didn't like that. That ascension kind of came, it feels like halfway through the season Definitely. when, when Wilson and Olave got hurt. There's also Fleming that's hurt. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird things going on. I, I don't know. Yeah. That offense. So you, you don't do the four and one league that Joe runs, right? No, no way. I saw yeah. that and was like, that's way too much. I'm out. So do you understand it or no? No, I haven't. Okay. It, it's not as it's, it kills way too much of my time. I will say that, but it is not too much in the sense that all you're doing is you're just setting one lineup where you just pick your players from the player pool every single week. And you can't pick a player twice throughout the entire year. Um, so, and you pick it's 18 players. It's like five, Five QB, five running back, five receiver, three flex. Uh, and the four and one comes from the idea that starting week one, there's a tournament uh, where that goes over the first six weeks. And it's like a NCAA March Madness style bracket thing. And at the end, a champion's crown to that at the end of six weeks. And then later on, there's another version of that that starts up in like week eight. And then there's some, there's, there's like top points, which is like the third part, like overall points across the entire, uh, entire uh, season and then the fourth part is something i don't understand like he's, he calls it a, an eliminator but i'm not sure how it works i think like the bottom third gets eliminated like every week over x amount of weeks or something but you're still only saying one lineup but i'm burning all of my players now trying to win this first uh tournament uh we're down to the sweet 16 of that one uh this week so i've been trying to figure out what i want to do with ohio state this week i don't think i've played any ohio state yet i i was thinking about playing marvin last week and didn't it didn't backfire on me though i still got through uh, against my opponent, but I'm tr- the what I'm trying to figure out is can I play Marvin this week, factoring in like what JSN's likely role is, um, and I don't know I'm not I'm not quite sure what I, right now he's not in my lineup, but I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet. And you've used JSN or no? I haven't. Um, I would. It feels like it feels like if you don't use oh I used Marvin Buka last week. I was gonna say if you haven't used Marvin yet, it's almost like you you can't or you probably shouldn't once JSN's back. So it's almost like this is your last opportunity in that format. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about it, but it, I don't know. I don't know where things are going to ultimately go in this format, just cause I'm like, I'm burning so many top players every single week pretty quickly under the idea that like, I know I have matching up my sleeve. I have big 12 conference play up my sleeve and invariably injuries will happen and new the backups, the fill yeah, yeah. New things will, I'll have, I'll have, uh, I'll have opportunity. It's not like I won't have, like I'll be playing uh, just total duds and like backups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that I, I I feel like it's difficult to have a really strong opinion on the offense relative to the receivers, just because the main factor, at least presently, is what how much playing time JSN gets this week. Right, that's going to have a huge impact on uh, the game plan. The running game there is so weird too. 
uh, with, do you think that they are just easing in Travion with the schedule or it, it, how fucked am I with it taking him as a first round pick? <laughs> I, to answer your question, I don't think you're that, you're that screwed. I think you have the ability. I, you'd be crazy not to use Henderson like he was last year. There was no reason to think that he's not going to be a star in Big Ten play. It seems almost like they're just pushing Stroud. Once they get it gets out of hand, it's almost too late for Henderson. Yeah, I mean, they are just, rotating series pretty evenly between him and Mayan right now. Is the and I'm like, I feel like that's a freshness thing. I don't feel like that's a. You can't tell me when they're playing uh, Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan that like they're gonna still rotate in the worst Mayan. And Mayan's not bad. He's just not Travion. Like, yeah, you're crazy. Last year he was at like. 50, 55% of carries. And now, and he kind of remember, right? Like if he had his big games last year, it was because he had like huge runs uh, mm-hmm. early on, right? It wasn't yeah. like it was usage. So right. I think you're fine. I was I think thinking, I was thinking that too. Fresh. Like it, once he, like, well, I was going to say once we get to the point where he has to play full games, but that doesn't really happen. Once he gets to the point where he has to play three quarters, He'll probably find his way in the neighborhood of 17 to 20 touches, and he could go anywhere from like one 140 yards to 300 yards with that. Yeah, we got to remember, right? He's 19, maybe, maybe 20, depending on birthday. I don't, I don't have it up for obvious reasons. You know, he's now a full year and a half, probably into college. His legs—they're probably concerned at a certain point. Like, we got to keep him fresh for the end of the season. Yeah, when we need him the most. Like, that's a long season, right? It's kind of like baseball. You know, like the the guys that aren't used to the full season, they you really see them kind of fall off or slow down towards the end because they're just not used to that wear and tear. And I'm guaranteeing you, they go crazy in the weight room still, nonstop. And they never did that in high school. That's for sure. What um is there a game that jumps out to you for week three? Is there one that like you you clicked on the DraftKings main site and you're like, please God be a part of this, or I can't wait to see the pricing for these well, guys? Well, the timing of Wake and Liberty is so annoying. It's like 5 p.m. or some shit, so it's not on any slate because that would have been a fun. Like I I would have. While I'm not confident that Salter go, does anything new, representative nuclear in that matchup, Wake's D had little problem slowing down Mike Wright um, last week, right? Who, I mean, they kind of presumably are going to do the same things, run the ball and chuck it around. But uh, but it would have been fun to have that game on the slate and just roll out some some Salter lineups at presumably pretty low ownership and a nice price and see what happens. But, yeah, when I saw that game time and that and knowing that that game's nowhere to be found on any slate, that was a little a little annoying. Um, I mean the, they, the Purdue Syracuse game. It, why? Why do you think the total on that is only fifty nine? They probably think that Syracuse is just going to run it so much that oh, yeah. it slows down. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's got to be it, right? Because if you think about it, right, they they run a bunch. I want to say they have like forty eight passing attempts in two games, and they have like ninety rushing attempts. Yeah. Now they've been up pretty big, right? They played UConn and they played Louisville, but Louisville was a fairly decent like competitive matchup and they still ran it a bunch so that's got to be it yeah it's just a two-man game the whole time with tucker and uh Schrader. so great i think yeah. that that's a stack option I oh think for sure start. yeah did you 
I, I had I, I did pretty decent on night slate last week, and most of my lineups were just stacking the two of them. Like I didn't I didn't take anything home, I didn't take down any wins or anything like that. But I cashed most of my lineups, and I don't know that it, that shit's so much fun when you when you have the running back who's gonna be on the field ninety five percent of the time. Then you've got the QB that well one of his main targets is that running back, and the other. So much of the other time, he's just running ball over the place. Like it, it was like Ritter and Jerome Ford last year when you could play them together sometimes. Yeah. They just, it's insane. I mean, you know, you don't ever want to like have to fall back on, well, you know, Tucker will get all the touchdowns. You want both of them to just have a lot of touchdowns yeah. in the yards. But like if Schrader has an average game, Tucker, it's because Tucker like stole all the touchdowns. <laughs> you know, like as long as Syracuse scores, they are scoring the touchdowns, you know? There's the the possibility of you getting screwed over by that or just like defensive return stuff, but I don't think Syracuse has that type of, of talent, yeah. that type of um of game. The game I'm like super excited for is this USC Fresno State game. I think that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. That's a that is a true that Fresno offense is four dudes and like just four dudes. <laughs> and then there is the uh, USC. It's too side late though to be on like the the That's, true night slate. I think it'll be a, last week they started the late night at ten fifteen, so I think it'll make it. No, sorry, not I, the night slate, but it'll be the late night. Yeah, slate. yeah, yeah. I like a late night slate that has like real games. I haven't I have played to, the late night at all this year. Uh, late night's been my most profitable, so I have to keep playing it. Yeah. Well, you're I'm, dealing with with losers like me that just drunkenly enter all their lines. I'm barely coherent, and I <laughs> and I do it right. Like, what's funny is I was talking to my buddy Galen, and there was this running back news. I think it was Trey Lowe was out for Oregon State, and I already set my lineups. It was like 30, 40 minutes in advance, and I was ready. And uh, he's like, "You should rerun your stuff," and I was like, "I don't know, man. That doesn't feel that big a deal." And I was like, "Ah, oh, screw it. I'll do it." And uh, I got. I don't know if I ever I showed you, but I got third place in the the big late night. Oh, I was nice. one point away from ten thousand oh. dollars, and it had Deshaun Fenwick in it. And I I told him, and he was like, "You're an idiot." Like, why did you ever? He was like laughing, like you're an idiot. Like, thank God you went back and reran, huh? <laughs> um, looking at some of the other games, let's see. The, dude, the, the actual night slate sweet this week. There's so many fun games. Like I, I, hopefully they'll put on UCF, Florida Atlantic, and then uh, Memphis, Arkansas State, Texas Tech, NC State. Yeah, there's some, some nice potential. Really, yeah, there's some good potential there. I don't know how much I believe in DraftKings to do that to put like right. Arkansas State, Memphis, Champ Flemings is going to be like thirty one hundred. Just watch. <laughs> um, you know they're going to put instead Iowa Nevada. <clears throat> so yeah, it sounds that's right. just what they're going to do. Uh, day. I'm thinking of main games. I was going to say Oklahoma, Nebraska. That's that line is very like it's like 12. That yeah. feels like a mistake, right? <laughs> I guess I don't know. Like, is Nebraska just going to play closest games against most teams, right, and find a way to lose? That's the narrative that's out there. I think so. Well, I think the other narrative would be now it's you play you play one for the interim. You know, this is that. Hey, interim is in here. Yeah, you know, let's see what we can do for him. Internal guy, obviously. All right, have you started making lineups? Not really. I've kind of I wrote the article for CTC, so I've kind of like I wrote about twenty one dudes and and like kind of looked at like 
some loosely percentage types. Yeah. So do you have any questions based on that? No. Well, I've made like three lineups so far, but I feel like I'll be roughly 100% on Trey Palmer at like 4,200. Yeah, that's a really low number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The other guys I was thinking low numbers would be obviously Trig. I think Trig has a shot at being really good. Oh, I, I, dude! I, I always forget to, like that. DK is if it's a, if it's a tight end, he is probably in the three mid three Ks, and it's dude, an option. Every Wisconsin tight end ever has been priced between thirty eight hundred and forty two hundred. <laughs> uh, Sam Laporta every week since two thousand sixteen has been thirty seven hundred. Um, so Treg is like thirty four hundred, which is grossly underpriced. Yeah, that's insane. And I I'm so torn on what I think his ownership will be. Because before last week, you would have thought 1%, right? Because he didn't do anything in week one. Although he led the team in targets. He leads the team in targets, by the way. Gener- overall, that's why I really like him. Not the three touchdowns last week or whatever it was. Yeah. And I think Ole Miss quarterbacks play better. So that's a great one. <laughs> Another tight end, Brayden Willis, is like that Saint. I swear to God. He's like 3,900. Um, they have such a high team total that I think that that could be interesting. Although, although like that one doesn't move the needle as much for me. Yeah. Um, and then Judkins, the running back for Ole Miss is pretty cheap too. Kind of fun. Should, should be some good options. Thank God Charlie Jones is not 3,800 because that would have messed, that would have messed everything up. What it would, would you have done? Would, would you would have, you would have copped out and said, I'll play 30% of him or something like that. Right. I mean, he would have been 85 to 90% owned, right? Yeah. Like there's no way people are missing that. Because it's even as, you know, like fantasy point per game, right? Like even I will scroll, like when I'm building stuff, like I'll just look at my phone sometimes and I'll just yeah. scroll and look at the fantasy points of the low stuff just to see if I miss anything. Right. So he would have gone on. I would have played probably like 60%, which would have been a dumb idea because like you either go full fade or you just play what everybody else is playing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like your theory with best ball. Like, don't take a guy that you don't really like like four times out of 20, just take him zero, just go all in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we'll see, but yeah. So uh, what about underdog underdog uh, fantasy? Dude, so they've got, yeah, they've got the Friday pick up. I was looking at it a little earlier. Travis, dude, Travis coming off a buy his body for probably the last, the last time this year, his body is not in tathers, right? So over 37.5 yards feels good to me in a game that should, should be close. I think that they'll, they'll run him enough to get him over that pretty easily. I think the volume will be there for sure. I think that game will be fairly high scoring, obviously, right? Like Plumlee had a good game, although he's a different runner than Travis. But they very much are. It seems like it's going to be a like a, a Travis and Ward show, and then Benson and Tua Feely are just going to kind of be there, just like dispel them a little bit. But yeah. I like that rushing yards one. What do you think about? <laughs> I hate to do this, but Air Force guys, those numbers feel interesting. Specifically, this John Lee Eldridge. Who is feels, that? That's the running back that keeps running it like four times for a hundred yards. Uh, dude, I have it. I have. All I've noticed so far about Air Force is that uh, they are not involving DeAndre Hughes, to much much to my dismay, and that uh, that Hazik Daniels and Brad Roberts are not out recovering from injuries for the next two months. Uh, so I, I noticed that as well. So that was exciting. So um, he 
Yeah, they're doing weird stuff, shocker. Um, like Emmanuel uh, Michael and DeAndre Hughes were guys that were pretty relevant for them last year, and they replaced them with this John Lee Eldridge. Well, so I haven't watched any this year, but Michael it, Michael and the other guy with the weird name, Fat Fata or whatever his name is, they're fullbacks. They are Roberts' backup. And then I'm looking through – I'm just looking through their numbers now. Larry is like the backup QB who also does fun things sometimes uh, more than just QB. DeAndre mm-hmm. Hughes, though, was supposed to be like the uh, the Remsburg type, uh, Kane Remberg, Remsburg, right, our boy. Um, yep. Kind of – do what do you call that? Doing the orbit motion thing and then just getting like the, the, the handoff or sometimes a pitch kind of deal. Pitch, but is yeah, that what the they're doing pitch. with Eldridge now? Did he get leapfrogged maybe by Eldridge? I have not – um, pay too much attention to that. He's five nine one ninety five, so you got to think. Got to be. It's got to be his outside. role. I get they. They. The, I mean, you can give Air Force credit for a lot of things and still hate the way that Calhoun doesn't give us any information. I think that these two things can hundred percent can exist, but they definitely. Some coaches preach the open competition at every role at every position. They definitely do because we've seen year after year guys who had returning production all of a sudden just kind of disappear and not and and be backups uh, and get ascended upon by other players on the team. So, I mean, that's probably what happened here with my boy, DeAndre Hughes. Uh, so whoops, uh, I'll take some zeros for him in best ball uh, this year. But I mean, yeah, I assume that's what that's it. But that role is so tough to, to bet on to like to confidently bet bet uh, thrown to your pick them especially like when i'm building a, uh, a pick them or parlaying props or anything like that just generally speaking i want to feel i don't want to just be betting or taking like a, a coin flip or something that i feel like is a, akin to a coin flip like so there's so much edge to be had with props that unless i'm just messing around and foaming at the mouth and need to get take some action i've I generally target the props that I feel like I have an actual edge on. And that position in the Air Force offense, I don't know how you could be confident outside of, like, for instance, we hear, like, Roberts is out. Okay. Then then the the backup dudes, Mikhail and Fatty, will get more carries. But at the same time, they'll probably start to utilize the other runners more that play mm-hmm. the other positions. Like, so that then maybe I would feel a little stronger about Eldridge's role in the offense. But – just, like just generally speaking, that like that your 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 entire means for getting rushes is through those those uh those pitches that where you're orbiting around pre-stat motion like that is unless it's built into the game plan and you could somehow conceive that that is going to be part of the game plan going on. It just feels like it's very like it's it's never the first option. Yeah, those are very risky. I don't feel comfortable really with any of those i think um the 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 jordan travis rush yards one seems interesting i like the trayshawn ward rushing yards feels interesting um what do you think about and i'm gonna i'm gonna cut you deep a little bit here titus swin talk about Titus. looking at it i was i was kind of thinking maybe under i was gonna agree with you or i'm going to agree with you i'm very surprised that you would say that it seemed like Everything I can tell from those that have seen the games and then the minor glimpses of me watching their games, he just doesn't look like Titus Swin. Like, he's yeah. clearly hurt, right? It's like Tank Bigsby last year at Auburn. You know, like, 
He's, he was splitting so many carries with uh, Jarquez Hunter. And now this Daywan McNeely looks decent enough, and they're running him more. So that, that underfield is pretty good. Yeah, that I, I agree. Um, I I was following along the box score last week, just waiting to see if he would get carries or what happened. And it might have just been a glitch in the box score, but I looked in like late in the first quarter, early in the second, and it felt like he had nothing going on. And then all of a sudden he ends up with three TDs, but the score was glitching out all Saturday, like weird stuff. Like they were showing James Madison being down 21, nothing. I was like, Oh, uh-huh, all you James Madison. <laughs> idiots. Well, that's what you get. And then it turns out they're actually up 21, nothing. Uh, but so maybe that, and so, so the score, sometimes they'll show like they'll get that because the players, there'll be an offensive player and a defensive player that share the same number. They'll accidentally give the defender like all the carries uh, sometimes. So maybe that's what happened here. But I overall, like it, it, it feels like this is such a classic scenario of we're just kind of hoping and praying that's based on some some touchdowns against a D, an FCS opponent that Swen's back and Swen's not back. It's a, we're still pretty screwed, uh, us one investors. Yeah, I feel like if anything, they're bringing him in, or he's very relevant around the goal line. Yeah, but in terms of like, like pure rushing yardage, does not seem like he's going to be breaking anything big. So you, um, it stinks, but I would I would think the under there is a pretty decent play. So you know what my one of my favorite things to look for on underdog pickums have been. They don't have any up right now, but I noticed they had him last week is when they do the over-under, like, half a touchdown. Uh, oh, yeah. You pick that. And then you compare it to, like, a sports book and the odds. And sometimes it's not even really that close to being, like, a minus 110 or a coin flip type scenario. Like, you can get some, like, all, and all these are, the idea is these are relatively close to, to coin flips, right? That's why it's, you're picking the over-under. But sometimes they'll put up the touchdown, uh, like, will the guy score a touchdown type deal? And like they had Malik Cunningham up there last week as one that you could pick from. We talked about it here. And DraftKings also had it up for a while at plus money. And every other book had it at like minus two fifty. Yeah. It which was amazing. It was great. It was a, it was a nice way to start. It was it was the rushing touchdown, right? It was yeah. 0.5. I remember that. That was just like I was like, wait, that's gotta be a mistake, right? Like underdog does a good job of making some competitive lines. Every now yeah. and then I feel like you can beat them to the punch a little bit with like some news, some injury news type stuff that'll help maybe like, you know, with the um, Braden Johnson Presley situation week one that helps with Jaden Bray. You could have gotten a little lucky there. Um, but yeah. So if guys, if you're not playing underdog fantasy, check them out. The code is BTR or BTR pod. If you want to be fancy and you can get up to a hundred dollars matched Andrew and I, well, I did it. I don't think you can, right. Cause of your location, Andrew. Depends where I am on a given day. Gotcha. Well, I did it, so I've I've taken advantage of it. I'm up on the season for the time being, which is scary because <laughs> who, who knows what will happen. Don't put that power in my hands. But if you're not playing it, you should check it out. The rival stuff is fun, too. I like the um, – you can find some interesting stuff there that is really nice. I think I did Malik Cunningham, like, plus 21 yards passing or something against JRP. Those, I think you can find more edges – than just your typical props, like your singular pop uh, prop, because there's two sides to the coin. You know, like maybe they're grading JRP right, but Cunningham wrong. Right, right, maybe right. They're, they're doing both of them wrong. So I think you can find some fun stuff there as well. So any final thoughts, Andrew? Any uh, Anything to take us home to, to Friday's amazing two-game slate? 
Dude, it's it's gonna be an, another fun weekend. Um, we have a late night Hawaii game, and then I believe, not to look too far ahead, but week four we start to get Thursday uh, games. And so you know who plays on that Thursday? Dude, I, I I have it up right now. That dude, I still I remember. Well, you don't remember it fondly, but the the wheel the Will Greer coming out party against you guys on uh, Labor Day Sunday night that yeah. was at the same time as the Josh Rosen thirty point comeback against A and M. That, that, what an amazing Labor Day Sunday night! Get it, taking away fandom for a second. For but, sure, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that dude, that'll be a fun game. Uh, well, I don't know. You guys play. You guys make every game not fun the way you play, though. That that's the problem. We've definitely turned, especially now. We've definitely turned more defensive. I think our defense is pretty good. We've moved around. We crushed BC and, and made them look pretty bad, which is awesome to see. I saw you. You it's grabbed the D and fifty team, right? Yeah. Did you see who you're playing this week? Yeah. So I looked up here. Let's let's end with this. So there's so many different good defensive matchups this week, and you can define a good defensive matchup a little very differently based on format and scoring and pl- the what you're. I don't have them in the 50 team. I have them in industry. I think, but oh, okay, yeah. You can still your your team sure. pool looks like. And I've started to try and get a little bit more in some instances into like the, the game, not game theory, but the idea that you actually want, like you need to get away from option teams and get toward teams that are actually going to throw the ball. That's how you get turnovers create and stuff like that. But taking away some of that, if you're looking for just a, a good high floor defense, I, your boys play Wofford this week. How many points do you think they've scored in two games? They've played zero. They've scored zero against like Elon and Chattanooga. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I saw the tweet and was like, I have to add them. I have to add them wherever I can. I looked in the 50 teamer and, and honestly, it didn't matter because I I did. I'm doing the whole one week ahead thing with the free agency for defenses. Yeah. I have Duke against NCA and T. So I feel pretty decent there. But uh, yeah, the zero points. If you're not scoring it against an FCS opponent, it's an 11 a.m. game, too. Did you, did you like, see that? Like legit 11? It's 11 a.m. Eastern. No way. Yeah. What, why? Well, is it like a holiday? And uh, do they need to start the the sand the parade begins at the parade begins at 3 p.m. No, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. That was the only time Raycom was available. They were going to do Gone with the Wind reruns, so they got to get those in at the, the right time. But I have no idea. But uh, 11 a.m. I'll be hopefully getting some turnovers and. Some pick yeah, sixes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But awesome. Well, we'll have this. I was going to say we'll have this posted. We're not live. But uh, hope you guys enjoy the week. <laughs> enjoy the weekend. There should be some fun games. I think an awesome late night slate, a great night slate as well. So if you burn your cash on the main slate, you have some options, some good options for sure. But everybody have a great uh, day, great week, and we'll uh, talk soon.